And we know there are many people that he used. We just know the names of only two of them. One was Hannah, and the other was Simeon. Those kind of people, when they would kneel down to pray, the Lord was always delighted to hear their prayers. Because when Simeon was kneel down to pray, God knew where he was going. He was seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. When Hannah would kneel down to pray, the Lord knew where she was going. She was seeking the, you know, the redemption of mankind. The Holy Spirit poured a burden upon her. So she would cry out to God for something that she did not need. Personally. That is alone. And the Lord was delighted. That's what I'm trying to emphasize here. The Lord was delighted. These people were, re- look, their lives counted in that you are now believers today. Those are parts of the reason why you can be a believer. Because if they did not do their jobs, the Lord Jesus would not have been born. Let me say to you also, many of the things you are praying for, for the body of Christ, or let me use the word now, many of the things you are wishing for, many of the things that you are wishing for for the, uh, a country like ours, the Lord is saying, it requires people who will work with me to best those things in prayer. I said last time, I'm convinced. In the secular world, outside the church, the most assaulted, spiritually speaking now, place in this country is Azurok. I am persuaded that when men gather in courts, the primary thing they are doing, all right, is to control what goes on in the seat of power. When men gather to offer their incantations, when you're talking about real courts, that is where they are attacking. When you hear that some people are doing human sacrifices because of power, the number one place they want the power in is up there. So when a man is sitting on that, on, on that seat, he's not, his life is not easy. One of the greatest things you will do for him is to pray for him. One of the greatest things you will do for God in that area is to pray for that man. One day somebody said there was a man that our former president of Bassanjol loved very much. And he you know, brought the man into his government, made, gave the man appointments. Now, some of us may look at it as if um, he favored the man. And he, you know, but I was thinking about it recently. I'll tell you the, the story about Nebomi, but let me start from this end. I just realized that, no, maybe he, didn't, he wasn't trying to favor the man. He, was, he, he discovered the man who could help him. Let me say what I say. They said he went somewhere one day. And one man, of course, not a small boy, a, a middle-aged man, you know, he had the opportunity to meet um, the president. So in the course of you know, this discussion, many people say, ah, sir, what are you going to do? You know, we in the southeast, we are marginalized. We in the north central, we are underprivileged. We in the north central, <laughs> we are this. The man shook the president and said, sir, I am praying for you. So the president looked at him, dragged the man aside, took his name. The man became a member of his government. For one single statement, sir, I am praying for you. Ah, the man dragged the man, you know, no, you won't pray for me alone again. You will be beside me. Yes. Now, but that tells you how much he appreciated that thing. A man wouldn't appreciate it if he did not realize he needed it. Last week, three people in one day told me they were praying for me. I remember two of them, I shook the hand extra. Yes, I did. One man wrote us a mail. He was so concerned that I wouldn't go astray. He wasn't saying I was going astray here too. He was just like, ah, God, please, I have found this one. And from the tone of his mail, you know he's not a small boy. He has seen people come and go. So he saw another one, uh, you know, in, in his own opinion, he's he, he seen another one coming. So he wrote to say, oh boy, 
I am praying for you. Please be careful too. <laughs> that man shook the president's hand and said, Sir, I am praying for you. The president said, What? Somebody is actually praying for me. He dragged the man and said, Listen, no, you will be part of my. I mean, just come and be around me. I want people who are praying for me around me. <laughs> that was it. Listen, this is so important. I'm, I'm going to emphasize something here. God needs that thing if things are going to be done. If somebody will not sit down, who is in assemblies of God here now? I want to know the current state of affairs. Nobody knows what's going on. Eh? There are still two camps. They are still fighting. Till now. It's silent. That thing will not come to an end until one or two things happen. Once certain people will get up and pray effectively, or God will have to start judging in a very terrible fashion. You don't want the second option. Let me tell you the truth. All this noise of Boko Haram, that's where it begins. Some people are looking for politicians who are sponsoring Boko Haram. God is looking for dividers who are dividing his church, thereby allowing Boko Haram in. I hope you are getting my point. I'm talking about work that we have to do. Everything in this life will be bested in the place of prayer. It's not going to be easy. Now, the scripture we're reading, let's get back to it. Okay? You see what it says in Isaiah chapter 62. I was, I was bringing something out from there. It said in verse 6, For me to accomplish what I want to accomplish, what I did was to set watchmen on the walls of Jerusalem. All day and all night they will never keep silent. Remember we read this to bring out something. This is required that they pray all day and all night. That tells you in the time of economic prosperity, which is the day, they will pray. In the time of economic recession, they will continue to pray until they see what God wants to do fulfilled on the earth. He said, you who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves. I'm still in verse 6. And give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. This ties very well to what we read in Luke chapter 18. Looking from beneath on the earth, which, which is what I believe the parable of the Lord Jesus was about. That we're looking from the human side. It was as if the Lord, the judge was slow. As if he did not want to. I'm using the word as if. It's an as if thing. Because the truth is that every time he wants to. But like I've been saying in previous times. But he's saying that, let me just summarize like this. That enough prayers. It's not just about the volume. Okay. But there are certain words that must be said. There are certain words that must be uttered. There are certain things that must be tackled in prayer. Because it goes step by step. Like I said the other time, it took the angel 21 days to get to Daniel. Why? There are different things Daniel will pray about. You will see in that Daniel chapter, was it chapter 9? He said, in the first years of Hyacerus, I, Daniel, you understand, understood by books. The number of the years wherewith the word of the Lord came to Jerusalem, uh, to Jeremiah, through Jeremiah the prophet, that will accomplish the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. They now began to pray. You will see, he began to repent of things one by one. He began to confess things one by one. I am persuaded that many of those things, you know, spiritually now, what he was doing was to be cleansing with his prayers. The prayers had to cooperate with the events that are taking place. 
the prayers had to cooperate with what God had already accomplished in the sufferings of the people. Those things together was what, were the things that allowed the angels to arrive. It things like that. Those things put together were the things that triggered the emancipation of the people. So if it, if it appears as if God is slow, what he's saying, do you understand, is that, listen, you have not prayed about this area. This area has not yet been accomplished in prayer. Forgiveness has not yet come in this area because nobody has mentioned it yet in prayer. I've explained this. That it took God 25 years to give Isaac to Abraham. Not because he loves to wait 25 years. But because he said that was the period required to convert Abraham to the man who could receive and hold Isaac. And in the process, Abraham went through experiences. If Isaac had come in the fifth year, he would have died in the tenth year. If Isaac had come in the fifteenth year and he did not die, one day God would have come and said, I would have said to Abraham, offer to you, for, to me, your only begotten son. And Abraham will say, it's a risky business. I can't. And that will have defeated the purpose for the call of Abraham. So what did God do? He waited for 25 years until Isaac and Abraham had been built up. Now, I'm looking at something. During that period, you will notice that Abraham will go here, have an experience, then build an altar and call upon the name of the Lord. He will go somewhere else. Have another experience. Build an altar and call upon the name of the Lord. What does that tell you? That's like a type for us. There are different prayers tackling different things were going on in his life at each point in time. I hope you're getting my point. Let's take this generational thing we talk about. I've said it before that when people talk about generational curses, no matter how much God releases a generational curse, except there's a generational trigger, each generation will not accept it. What do I mean? We, look at, we looked at the case of uh, Abiathar. That even though there was a generational curse upon his house, the house of Eli, until he participated in conspiracy against Solomon, that thing did not come to pass in his life. That tells me, therefore, that if there's a generational curse running, if you look into each family, you will be able to identify generational misbehavior. Are you getting my point? Which is what entrenches the curse in their lives. Many times, when Christians give their lives to Christ, this is a problem they have. They claim the deliverance, which I believe in. You've heard me teach about the word, the word of Christ. I believe in it totally. Except that when you try to, or let me put it like this, when the Holy Spirit tries to correct them concerning the generational misbehavior, they, for one reason or the other, they hold on to it tenaciously. Maybe, for example, a person from a wealthy family. And this is part of the ways by which they get their wealth. Maybe nothing terribly evil, but he's been brought up with it. She's been brought up with it. Or this may be the effect of being rich for generations. For example, pride. And I found out that one of the greatest problems God has in the life of believers is pride. So, you want to, listen, the fellow has been delivered. Except that if that pride remains in his heart, the deliverance can only be effective when God cures the pride. Because God, even though he is good, 
Alright? He never, even in the lives of his, Christ, of his children, bless wrong things. He may overlook them, but he never blesses them. But when Satan is arising as an accuser and is holding something, okay, because Jesus said the prince of this world is coming, but he has what? Nothing in me. If he has something in somebody, it becomes difficult for the deliverance that Jesus has paid for to be effective in that person's life. So what does God do? And that's what I'm, I'm using that one to explain the matter of prayer. Let's take about the whole land. Okay? The land is cursed because of certain behaviors, which I've already explained now. And Christians are rising up and praying for the deliverance of that land. God says, as much as I want to deliver the land, I don't start with the physical deliverance. I start with the correction of the people. I don't know whether you're getting my point here. And that was what happened when Jesus came. When the Lord Jesus came, they were expecting the Messiah, which he was. But when he came, he did not come to solve the effect of bondage. He came, first of all, to remove the root of the bondage, which was sin. But they expected him to drive away bondage. They expected him to end oppression. They expected him to bring prosperity. But he came and said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. They looked at him and said, who needs to repent? We or the Romans? We are not the oppressors. We are not the aggressors. We are in our land. Alright, the argument went first with John. And then with the Lord Jesus. We are children of Abraham. They said, what you need is repentance. They said, no. We are children of Abraham. It's the Romans that are the problem. So at the point in time, he turned to them and said, no, you are of your father the devil. <laughs> and you are doing the will of your father. And that is why you are in bondage. Until I break the bondage to your father the devil, your bondage physically cannot be broken. Until we separate you from the things, the sin that keeps you in bondage, that bondage to the Romans cannot be broken. They so refused to hear him that he too that came as their deliverer had no choice but to pour a curse upon the land. So when they rejected him as their deliverer, the Romans came and a few decades after Jesus left, wiped out Jerusalem essentially from off the map. And he warned them ahead. Why? He said, because you did not understand the time of your visitation. What was he saying? I came to redeem you from your sins. That will have broken the oppression eventually. So when we are praying, as an example, for a country like ours, God says, yes, I want to bless the nation, and I'm hearing the prayers. Except that these prayers have to now go like this. Listen to this. Now, we've talked about the curse of harm, and I said that this has effect. I was reading somewhere the other day. I, I, I've forgotten where now, my father. I wish I remembered. The man tried to describe, the person was not even a Christian, trying to describe the native like African places where, or rural, those areas that light had not entered, that if you check it, those people usually are mean to themselves. The people will say it's because of poverty, so they are very, they, they defend. But the truth is that they are very mean. A stranger comes at night, the only thing they think about is kill him. When Abraham sees a stranger, the only thing he sees is help him. That's the difference between a blessed man and a cursed man. So God says, see, these habits, we have to break it first. So you want the land to be blessed, this is how your prayers go. He says, first, pray that God will send light into the place. 
So you find a whole generation praying that light might come. A generation praying that the people will accept the light. A generation praying that the Lord will send laborers into his harvest. So one white man gets up, enters a boat, lands on an African soil, and somebody beheads him. God knew they would do that. But that man's blood was required to break certain things in the land. I don't know, I don't know the details, so please, I don't claim to know everything. Because you know, perhaps the precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his saints. So when a missionary crosses the waters and he allows them to kill him, he must have there must be something. Another set gets up. Or what happens is that they take a slave one day, God says, Okay, pack a few slaves. Then one of those slaves gets to the other land and he hears the gospel. Then God pours upon him passion for his homeland. Then he begins to pray. He never returns, just like Daniel. Daniel never saw Jerusalem again. Daniel died in a foreign land. So this slave is there over there in Europe. He's over there in North America. And he remembers, now that he understands the gospel, he now realizes that the darkness in his continent is because of the absence of the gospel. So he begins to pray. Because of his prayers, which was what God was orchestrating, some men arise. They are, now com- they are not coming this time around as slave raiders. They are coming, okay, to preach the gospel. God now says these ones will not die. God saying they will not die does not mean they will not die. What it just means is that somebody must rise up and start praying so that they will not die. You see, in that Isaiah chapter 62, he said he listed, This is my plan, but to effect it in verse 6, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have to appoint watchmen. So one man stands up over there and remembers that his friend has gone to Africa and he starts praying. He starts interceding. He's praying. He's interceding for the fellow. He's making petitions before the throne of God for his life. That one survives. Are you getting my point? (laughs) Now, he brings forth light. Listen to this. Somebody is praying for the redemption of the land. He wants the land to prosper. He wants poverty to end. But God says, see all this one you have prayed. It's a good prayer. But it will take me 250 years to execute what you have seen today as visions. Like God, God lifted Abraham, he said, Abraham, look up. <laughs> I say this like a joke, but there's a lot of truth in it. And Abraham looked and he said, what do you see? I see stars. He said, so will your descendants be. I thought about it. Abraham saw two kinds of stars. <laughs> Why are you laughing? I've never said what I want to say. Abraham looked up and saw the stars that you and I know. But while he was looking, God showed him something else. This time around, he went up and looked down at the earth. And he saw light. He had never seen an incandescent bulb, an LED bulb. had never seen street lights. So he called them stars. You don't blame him. It, just wait, all right? Fly into Lagos at night. Fly into Abuja at night. Or go to Dubai, New York, land at night. Look at that. You will know why Abraham sacrificed Isaac. No, listen, when they tell you, so will your descendants be. Oh boy, you will kill anything. <laughs> now, that's my conviction. All you need to do is watch some of the, you know, maybe because things like that, they, 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 they interest me, you know. I sit down and watch, you know, an American aircraft carrier, stuff, stuff like that. You know, if I go to Boni, I like to see their plant at night. That's the Nigeria LNG plant. At night, as you see it, it's a mass of light. Light everywhere. Very beautiful. And God looks and says, Banky, so will your descendants be. Are you getting my point here? Now, I'm saying this. 
the visions that Abraham had that time, it took the Lord hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years to execute them. But when Abraham died, he knew those things were done. Are you getting my point here? In one generation, he didn't say it. But he uttered prayers that blessed generations even till after the Lord Jesus Christ. So this slave convert is praying for his land, Africa. God says, listen, this thing you have said there, eh? I will do it too. But it's going to take me 250 years. It's going to take me 380 years. But we have to work persistently. When I say 300 years, I mean 300 years of continuous progress. So the first 50 years, that man is praying. He ne- just like um, Daniel, he never comes back home. But he prays. And one of the things that God gives to people like that is that he will have a vision. And that vision will put a smile on his face. When he's dying, that's the last thing he will see. He will tell some of his children, like Jacob. He said, listen, um, like um, yeah, Jacob and Joseph. I know one day God will return you back to that land. God is going to return you. I'm certain of it one day. Please carry my bones. Now, it was not the bone that's the issue. It is that the man was convinced this will happen. So people like him, they will utter those words. And, and they will say that, listen, he tell his son, this is a slave. One day, say, nation greater than this shall be located where our ancestors came from. And his son is looking. And he tells his children, that was what our father said. He was a slave. But he, and he died a slave. But by the time he died, this was what he said. And that thing is inside them. And they continue to prophesy it. Generations pass. Generations pass. Now, gospel feels everywhere like our country. The new set of prayers have to be uttered. Assemblies of God is broken into two. Are you getting my point? <laughs> now, don't, don't laugh about the assemblies of God. Even those who were never united are broken into 50. Just that they were never together, so we don't realize it. So, God now says, you see, the thing I said to that man at the beginning, 300 years ago, will not be fulfilled if the source of light for the land is fragmented. So, he raises men again. Children of God begin to pray. They are praying for unity. All of this, part of fulfilling the vision given 300 years ago. So, he said, on your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set what? Watchmen. Why watchmen? Why didn't he just say intercessors? I'll tell you why. Because watchmen know how to decode the current prayer point. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Why? They are watching. They know what is required. Watchmen, they look. They know at this particular time, this is the problem we have. So that's why they are watchmen. They are watching. They are, and but it, one thing he said is that they will not be silent. And they will not take rest for themselves. And they must give the Lord no rest. What does that mean? They must never be discouraged. You know, Chris Evans said something at that meeting. He said in the 80s, the time of Andrew, he checked out. Andrew, no check out. He said he too, he checked out. Say so he and his wife agreed. Go when you settle, I'll come. Then the Lord told him one day, go back home or I will kill you. So the Lord told him, you, your children will not smop this land. I don't know what I hear what I said. That no, that you and your children, you will not mop flock in this place. He said, he told him that, listen, I, I, don't, I can't remember for sure whether he said the Lord told him that, listen, you, your children, you will return as princes to this place. 
Now, get back home. He returned when the economy was hard. And everybody thought he was a fool. He said, but because he's a naturally stubborn person, the Lord had to tell him, if you don't go, I will kill you. So for fear for his life, he packed and ran <laughs> back home. Listen, intercessors are interesting people. I told the story last time, when communism was tight, Brother Andrew asked some people, why are you still in this communist land when you could have escaped to the Western Europe? Those ones said, if we do, who will stay behind to pray? Those watchmen were not allowed to run away looking for their own comfort. I'm trying to say something here. Many of the things they pray for, they don't see in their generation. Yeah, they don't. Yet, their prayers are necessary to execute what God wants to do ultimately. But it says, each man, each person, be faithful in your generation. Pray the right prayers. Are you getting my point? No, we're not talking about give me food, give me this, give me milk, give me butter. No. This is prayers directed at what God wants to do. Prayers seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. For example, there's one that God has been raising that I've noticed because we, we speak here, I go to places, maybe because these are the kind of people I interact with. When you see the kind of anger that children of God are having against false doctrine, this one went to be for this program. Chris Evan also talked about it. Our uh, host, Momian, has spoken about it. We talk about it here. People have, talking about, they have been talking about it here and there. People are just angry against false doctrines. You were not there that time. Okay, I, I preached on Monday, twice on Tuesday, and then on Wednesday morning. Okay, Before I came back on Wednesday, when I went back yesterday. When Momian was leading prayers on Wednesday morning, you should have heard the prayer point as he was being fired against lies, <laughs> against wrong doctrines, against deception. Are you getting my point? People praying these things, what are they planning to gain personally? Personally, nothing. That's when you know you are really working with God in prayer. All the letters God has said, this year, well, also we break through. It's our year we are buying new car. If you want God to give you a yellow car, begin to pray. Listen, let's put like these old things have passed away. Let's leave those childish things. God says, listen, if you pray the right things and seek the right things, you won't even know to, what to do with the cars. This focus is the reason why you are not moving forward, the church is not moving forward, the nation is not moving forward. You are praying the same prayer every day. You are not working for me, you are working against me at this point. Please bear this in mind. He said, don't give him rest. No, he said, take no rest for yourselves. This is what that tells me. It shows that it is hard work. It shows it's something that requires, after a while, you will get close to getting discouraged. For example, you prophesy, prophesy about uh, the economy and bless the land. <laughs> then when you started praying, dollar was 120. When you finished praying, it's 500 naira. You start asking, what is it? <laughs> Lord, are you answering? <laughs> are you getting my point? Now, what are you up to? We are asking you to bless the country. But that's human judgment. The Bible says we have to learn to judge the righteous judgment. God is just saying, listen, if I don't cure your people of this, they are bad habits. Enduring prosperity cannot stand. So leave it. So the more you pray, the more it pushes the dollar in one funny direction. Is that he's not answering? Believe me, he's answering. 
He just said, let me, let, me cure you, your, let me cure you and your people of some negative mindset. That nobody prospers being a consumer. That prosperity is by the creation of wealth. You are not creating anything. You are buying everything. Listen, in the midst of what people call economic recession, there is a kind of prayer to say. But you know what we are often consumed with? Eh, I saw one joke today. Okay, thank you, President Buhari. You cannot, you couldn't deliver on the things you promised. No problem. Please at least return us to where we were. Where we were. <laughs> Like the joke where I see today, that's a... <coughs> now that, that's how people start responding. You know, human beings do what the Bible says is not good. You know, Solomon said Ecclesiastes that to say the former days were better than now, you are not speaking out of wisdom. But we do it every day. The same Jonathan, some people wanted to hang. And it's not new. That's how they were on a bus and just said, taught them. They said, we would rather die. Than give you taught them. As soon as he left, they said that was the best eight years we ever saw. The man said, But I begged you for four extra now. <laughs> it's just a human thing. If you remove this government today and bring a new one tomorrow, give our, my brethren six months. He said, Look, maybe why did not do very well, but one thing I liked about him, they start counting it for you. <laughs> it, listen, since I was a little boy, it has been like this. The day this Buhari and Idiagbo took over from Shagari, I was a little boy, but I remember the rejoicing. There was jubilation everywhere. That was December 31, 1983, right? I was a little boy, but I remember the jubilation. Why I particularly remember it was that the Reverend Father of my mother's church, being an experienced white man, he said, what are they jubilating over? <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think it was Father Francis. He was still there. He said, but that was the only Reverend Father I knew, the white one before. After he left, every other Reverend Father was Nigerian. I think it was Father Francis. He said, what are they jubilating over? Things are not going to get better. It's always like this. Then, after a few months, they said, this agony is too much. Then finally, Baba Gida came. For whatever reason he had, he kicked out um, Buhari and Idiago. And they said, now we have a robust president. That Idiagbon never smiled. Idiagbon never smiled. There was only one time they caught him smiling and it made the news. And the headline was The Day Idiagbon Smiled. <laughs> I'm not joking. And I still remember, this is our current head of state that time, when he was head of state that time. He said, We want to assure you. As a young boy, what is assure? <laughs> I still remember very well. I want to assure you. Assure. And, the, and the guy was. Handsome. Are you getting my point? Age, the guy didn't age very well. The guy, as a young man, go and check the pictures. He had these broad rimmed glasses like this. In fact, you just wanted to marry him. <laughs> but after that, they kicked him out on the diagonal. And they said, we'll now have a robust president who laughs. And really, he laughed. Everybody liked his coming. He released, and of course, by that time... Buhari and Diagon had shot some drug dealers, some drug traffickers. They shot them. And why people were unhappy was not because they shot them, but because the decree was retroactively applied. When they committed the crime, drug trafficking was not a death penalty offense. 
They sat down, wrote a death penalty offense for it, and applied it to people caught months before. Then finally, Babangida came, released all the drug traffickers, released all the political prisoners. Or, uh, or is it Onabanjo, former governor of um, or your state, who was still in prison? He released him, an old man. Everybody was happy. Everybody was happy. Everybody was happy. Then he called SAP. Come, come, come. IMF. <laughs> Everybody started hating his soul. He legalized corruption in Nigeria. And that's it. After a few months, we all hated him. Until finally, what's his name? Abacha arrived. You know, all kinds of stuff. But human beings have been the same every day. That's the point I'm making. But I always say something. Let's get this clear. God does not expect everybody to be different. He just expects a few people. Can you look around? Can you see any of those people around you? He just expects you and I to be different. He just expects you and I to start uttering the right prayers. That's the point I'm making. So he said, listen, stop focusing on what is outside. What you find in the nation, what you find in leadership, what you find, what you call corruption and all of that, they are not my primary problem. You know, with all due respect, last week I thought about it. I thank God for Pastor Tunde Bakari. I really thank God for his life. All right? But I feel like calling him and say, sir, personal advice from a younger person, I think you stop this your campaign. It's not necessary. I have found what our problem is. What I mean by campaign? Save Nigeria group and all of that. Hand it to Lisak Bakoba. Hand it over to, what's the name of the other guy? Name them for me now. Femi Fala, no. Give me the other guy. There are none of them. Mike Azekume. You know, hand, well, give me their names. Festus Keyamu, thank you. Hand those things to those boys. You are a prophet, come back. And until God gives you a word for the people outside, don't say anything. But whether you hear a word directly or not, turn on the people inside. You know my people inside? Not our President Buhari, but our church leaders, us, you know, the church, start prophesying to us. Prophesy to the people of God. Tell us to correct our ways. These people outside are not the problem. God is not going to handle them directly until he has handled us. See how prayer, prayer is going now. That is, remember, we began from one prayer for... Stars like Abraham saw. But God says, I will do that in 350 years. Now the gospel has moved in. The next phase, the gospel has to be pure amongst those who carry it. All these funny billboards that you see around advertising the gospel of Jesus wrongly. That a time comes in which you have to shut them down by prayer. You have to shut them down. There are times you utter dangerous words, threatening anybody that will rise up and call the name of Jesus anyhow. That he won't live for a week after that. These are not enemies. Oh. Not my enemies pursuing me. You are just sanctifying that name of Jesus. And say, anybody, if you get up here and use the name of Jesus to do Aramanda. You know what they call Aramanda? You don't know what they call Aramanda? Okay, sorry. Magic, Sha. Are you getting my point? To use the name of Jesus to do magic. Better go and look for another name to use. Oh. If you use the name of Jesus, we go vex. And if we vex, last time now your building collapsed, now, now you go collapse. So, yeah. And you will say, and at such times, God starts sending real prophecies. A young boy will knock on his door. Good morning, sir. The Lord said, by tomorrow, shut this thing down. You can use the name Guru Maharaji. See, Guru Maharaji is still alive. We didn't disturb him. You know, God doesn't have a problem with Guru Maharaji. You understand? Do you know why? He said he's what? Guru 
Maharaji. There's no confusion. When they interviewed him, they said, are you saying you are superior to Jesus and Muhammad? They said, no, no. That I'm saying that Jesus and Muhammad are both living inside me. <laughs> I watched it. Too. I, I, I watched, it was a live show. I watched it. That there's no point to go and look for Jesus anymore. That Jesus has come back and this is me now. Any person who talks like that will live long. <laughs> Do you know why? There's no confusion. We are not arguing whether it's a false prophet or a beast. <laughs> That's the one I learned yesterday. <laughs> there's no argument. Like I say all the time, there's one guy in Lagos who says his name is Samson Din Saka. His name used to be Shamsuddin. He changed it so as to make it Christian and Islamic. Because Shamsuddin is pure Islamic. So now his name is Samson Din Saka. <laughs> that he does Christlam hab. When he began, it was Christlam. As he was growing, he said, no, no, I've left some people out. The Habalists, the local people. So he changed his name to Christlam Hab. And don't think he's joking, you know. The guy had what they call Mounts today. You know, he's a Yoruba guy for Lagos. So all these things are derived from his local language. Today is to losing the bonds. Deliverance. So Mount Deliverance. So he calls it Mount today. Seven days intensive prayer. I've seen them pray. Honestly. Until you listen closely, you think it's a church. You say, put your hand on your head and begin to say, this year, my suffering is over. Everybody, you see, 99% of them, of course, you know, women. Sorry, ladies. They'll begin, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, it's only Chrislam have. So it combines church prayer, Islamic prayer, and divination, herbalism, everything. People like that, we don't mind. They will live long. You know why? There's no confusion. The ones with mind are the ones that say, in the name of Jesus. Be free right now. Be free right now. They say, sir, when did you give your life to Christ? Ah, no, I didn't need to do that. I was born again from my mother's womb. You now see men of God who wear color and say, is a true man of God? <laughs> Those are the ones that offend the Lord. It gets the time the church gets grieved. We utter a word. And people like that will be walking on the road. And you know the rest of the story. It's important. It's important. But God said, that's not my problem. That's not my problem. My problem is, is the church united? Are they teaching the truth? Are they honest? Is corruption far away from them? God says, until I do that, the next phase of their development will not happen as a nation. Why? Because the excuse I use every time to bless a land is when I have planted my own people inside there. I hope you are getting my point here. That's why I say all the time, the hope for any land is that the church becomes the church. For that reason, when you and I want to pray for Nigeria, I bless this country, I will continue to bless the country, but there's no new blessing inside me for the country right now. It don't do. You know, like we say, it's enough. I'm not saying that let the country spoil. What I mean is that there's enough potency in the things we are released. What is hindering the angels from arriving? The Lord says it is inside the church. So you want that blessing to be released, turn on the church and clean it. How do you clean it, therefore? It's simple. How do you clean this? 
washing of water by the word. Now you start praying for the church, start praying for truth inside the church, start purifying the church. That becomes a that's watchman. At this point, the watchmen have identified what is wrong. And Jesus said, it's not a noise-making thing. It's not a job of preachers. It's not the pastors of the church, of the churches that will do it. It is every Christian that will learn it, do it in his bedroom. Sometimes for reasons like that, I bless their children, people don't understand why. Every Christian who understands truth, they are no longer you know, occupied with their problems. They are occupied with the greater thing that the Lord is doing. So when they kneel in their homes, they hear the assemblies of God. They are still dividing. They begin to pray for assemblies of God church, even though they are not members of assemblies of God. But they recognize, they rightly discern that that is the body of Christ that is being afflicted. So they pray about it. They hear all the kinds of noise being made falsely in the name of Jesus. They pray about it. Yet, they are not pastors. Yet, they are not leaders in the church. They are just people who don't have understanding. They are the watchmen that realize that it's not the dollar that's the problem. It's not the head of state that's the problem. It is that in this season, prayers must be said. Now, listen to me. I said earlier, it's tiring. Why? Results don't come as fast as we would have wanted. Sometimes we pray in a particular area for a long time. After two, three years, we're not seeing much change. Then we settle down again and say, Lord, what are we praying wrongly? Just like I said, God said, listen, leave those people for now. You have prayed about the police enough. You have prayed about the judiciary enough. You have prayed, yes, I'm answering it. But there are things that are hindering the entrance of the angel that I sent. So what do we do, Lord? Release that for now. Turn on this one and pray. If you pray this one effectively, this time around, I'm telling as I believe it's prophetic, Face the church. Pray about it. Pray about the state of the affairs inside her. So when you do that, the angel of deliverance for the judiciary will come. The angel of deliverance for the power sector will come. The angel of deliverance for the, for, for the Senate will come. The angel of deliverance for Asurok, it will come. Yes, the first day you utter those prayers, I release them. But they are hanging. The, all kinds of princes are preventing them from arriving. Why didn't you send Michael? Because Michael is the chief prince of your people. Your people are not behaving correctly. So what do we do? Turn on your people in your prayer. You start praying for the church. Paul said, my, he said, my little children, of whom I travel in birth again, until Christ is formed in you. So we start praying again for the body of Christ until, you know, until truth becomes the central focus, central focus, until Christ is formed in them by the knowledge of his word. Then at, at that point in time, we don't say a word about judiciary. Revival starts in there. We don't say a word, all right, about um, legislature. Revival starts in there. We don't say a word. We have not prayed about them for years, but it's because their angel was waiting. Do you get my point? The angel of the revival was waiting until we pray the right prayer. Suddenly, there's breakthrough. And God said, this is work for me. These are prayers that will hardly be said inside church. They will be taught in church, but Christians will go home and pray them individually. Let me stop. I hope you got my point. I hope I made sense. We said a number of things. Let's bow down here to pray. Quickly, let's begin to give the Lord thanks again. I just want us to pray one prayer. I say, Lord, help me redirect my focus in prayer. Let me focus on that which is good and that which is right. Say, Lord, help me redirect my focus in prayer. 
Help me, help me, help me. I want to focus on that which is good. I want to focus on that which is right. Declare to the Lord, say, from now I seek first the kingdom of God, even in my prayer life. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And his righteousness. I know all other things will be added to me, so I don't focus on those other things. I seek first the kingdom of God. I seek first his righteousness. Say, Lord, all other things will be added, I know. For that reason, now I'm not focusing on the all other things. I want to be able to focus on the kingdom and his righteousness. My prayer is no longer, Lord, promote me. It's, Lord, promote your church so that you can bless the land and show that indeed Jesus died. Lord, fill your church with truth. Just give him thanks. Say, Lord, we thank you. Give him thanks.